Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, February 21st, 2021 called, I Know Who You Are, The Week of Being, given by Pastor Jonathan Dinger. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 45. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cured. Jesus sent him away with a strong warning, see that you don't tell anyone. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. God's grace and his mercy and his peace are yours in Christ Jesus, our Savior. So I already previewed this a little bit. We're going to look at Mark here. Something struck me this week. I've studied the Gospel of Mark for many, many years, many decades. And something just struck me this week. And it was really the red-letter challenge that helped prompt it in me. We still have books, by the way, if you want them. I'm going to give you this advertisement now. I have to say this regularly. If you've taken the red-letter challenge and then you say, I'm going to do this every day, and you've missed for three days, you may now say, oh, I'll just stop. Don't. Just pick up where you are. Just jump back in. It's built that way. I'm going to tell it to you every week. Because it happens. It happens to me, too. Oh, I missed two days. And then i got to jump back in. So don't give up. Just keep swimming, right? Okay, so we'll do that. Um, So I'm going to show off my Lord of the Rings chops uh, geekiness here a little bit. One of the major themes that's in those uh, all those Tolkien uh, stories, whether it's The Hobbit or The Lord of the Rings, is identity, and it really poses this question: Who are you really? One of the major major pieces in it surrounds two big characters: Aragorn the king, and Gandalf, the wizard, okay? Those two big characters. So if you've watched the movies at all, you at least know those characters. Aragorn, the king, and Gandalf, the wizard. And it's really interesting because you get to meet these people through the eyes of the hobbits. They, it's through the hobbits, the little halflings. They just want to smoke pipes and they want to grow food and they want to have three breakfasts. You know, it's those guys. They're just regular folks. And here's the irony of it, because really, Tolkien is asking the, those little regular people to ask, who are they really also? But anyway, that's a whole nother. But those two huge characters, the first time the hobbits meet Aragorn, they don't know him by that name. They say, we're looking for a man named Strider. And they go, he's over there in the corner, and way in the corner, stuck into the darkest part of the pub where there's no light or anything, and all you can see is the glow of his pipe. It's all you can see. And, they, and, the, and the pub owner is like, I'd stay away from him. i keep my distance. There's rumors and stories about them rangers. He's a ranger. And so he's seen as unknowable, mysterious, maybe possibly an evil untrustworthy and the irony of it is as the story unfolds we learn that he is the most noble the most trustworthy the most compassionate in his hands or the hands of the healer and it's an amazing story because he is the promised king he is the fulfillment of their hopes and when they first meet him they have no idea Gandalf's the same way. One of the great lines in the books, I love this, is when they, the hobbits are just stunned by the power that Gandalf actually wields because he has to kind of say to them sternly, did you think all I did was fireworks? You know, I mean, that's kind of how they knew him. He would show up for festivals and parties and he would do cool fireworks. And so the hobbits, I think, kind of thought he was just a, 
you know, kind of a, I don't know, a circus performer or something like that. And he could do cool tricks and magic tricks. And in fact, we also have revealed to us that Gandalf was formed, commissioned, created by God with a high and noble purpose and calling to safeguard Middle Earth, to make sure that its people were cared for and that evil would not win the day. They had no idea. And that's the case about about Jesus for these disciples, especially Peter. Um, Mark is really, I'm going to just do a little Bible study here with you. And forgive me, I know it shows seven points. It's funny, in the first service I ripped through it so fast because we had this big voters meeting. So I, I don't know if they got anything out of it at all. I hope so. But I, had to, I was going so fast. Don't worry, I'm not going to be forever here because this is as much a cheer as anything I want to give you today. It's as much a cheer because here's what I, here, as I studied this, this is what was interesting. Think about Peter for a minute. The Gospel of Mark really is. We have excellent testimony in this. So Mark is written by really a relatively young man. His name is John Mark. He appears in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. John Mark is the nephew of Barnabas who goes on the missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas and then bails because he gets scared. And then when he wants to join on the second missionary journey, Paul says, no way, he's a loser. Not a loser. But, you know, he says, no way, he bailed on us the first time. I'm not going to let him bail on us again. And it, and it caused this big division because it was Barnabas' nephew. Well, because of that division, what history tells us is John Mark attached himself to Peter. Because Paul was the, gen, the apostle to the Gentiles, to the non-Jewish world. And Peter was the apostle to the Jewish world. And so John Mark attaches himself to Peter. And so he becomes Peter's scribe, or we call it formally in Bible scholarship, he was his amanuensis. So he uh, was a secretary, a scribe, his, his boy Friday, whatever you, know, you want to say, he, was, he helped out Peter. So the Gospel of Mark is through the eyes of Peter. That's a cool thing to know. Because, you know, when you think about Peter's personality, he's abrupt, he's a braggart, he's a little bit full of himself, he perceives himself to be a leader, and probably is, probably is, but perceives himself to be that way. He perceives himself to be more loyal, more sacrificial, more committed. He's also skeptical at first, right? He's a businessman, runs his own business. So all of those things, he gives up everything. He considers himself Jesus' Uh, advisor and counselor. So that's what we know of Peter. He has clay feet and he has feet willing to step out onto the water. He's, what a contradiction he is. And yet these words in Mark, and I, you, you may not have noticed this, over the last 12 weeks, our gospel readings have been from Mark, the first couple chapters of Mark. And so there's a whole bunch of things going on there. And it just struck me this week. I'm reading my stuff in the Red Letter Challenge. And and Zach Zender writes this very boldly. Our doing arises completely out of our being. Our doing arises out of our being. Here's how I would like to say it. Let's go on here. Can you go back? Oh, you know, there it is. Who we are depends entirely on who he is. Now, this may not be... um, this may not be accepted um, psychological theory. Uh, psychologists in today's secular world may strongly disagree with me on this. I am telling you as your pastor and as a student of the word, this is a true statement. Who we are depends entirely on who Jesus is. 
Peter is going to say that to you here. Because you know what Peter ends up doing? Right from the beginning. You know how the first words of the gospel go? This is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Period. That's Peter for you. He doesn't mess around with no birth stories. And you know, stars in the sky and shepherds show up and angels are singing. He doesn't do any of that. He's like, Jesus. Right? This is the story of Jesus. And so he goes, and right from that, wham, and you heard it here in the gospel. Look at your, open up your, open up your thing. Look at what it says there in the gospel. Look at what we get in like just 20 seconds. He was baptized by John. A voice from heaven said, this is my son. And then he went out into the desert. He was there 40 days, tempted by the Satan. And then John was in prison and Jesus went out proclaiming the good news. The king would go, holy cow, this is Peter. Right? This is Peter. Bam, 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 bam. He uses the phrase, and immediately, 45 times. And immediately, Jesus went to do this. And immediately, what I'm telling you is, it just struck me. Peter, now think about Peter. I'll I'll prove it to you. So what's his name? When Jesus meets him, his name is Simon. Or Cephas. He gets a new name by Peter, uh, by Jesus, right? He gets a new name. And isn't it fascinating? Because when Jesus gives him a new name at Peter's confession, when Jesus says, what's the question Jesus asks? It's so awesome. Who am I? That's a being question, right? Who am I? Jesus goes, you know, he says, what's the buzz? Right? What's the word on the street? Well, they all think you're a dead prophet. Come back to life. And then he says, but what about you guys? Who do you think I am? And Peter, of course, answering on behalf of the disciples, says, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, right? That's still his name. Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. And I will call you Petros. And upon this Petra, I will build my church. Now think about this. It's very cool. Jesus is not building the church on Peter because Petros means small pebble. That's his name. And I'm going to call you Pebble. Where's the Krausies? That's what they named their dog. (laughs) I'm going to call you small stone. But upon the prudential rock, Petra, I will build my church. And you confessed it, Peter. It was your faith. It was your faith which God, you didn't come to by yourself. My father revealed that to you. That's what the church is going to be built on. Jesus Christ. It's going to be built upon the confession of Jesus Christ. It's going to be built upon who he is and who we confess him to be. Anyway, this just hits me. And Zach's talking about our being, our doing flows out of our being. And so this is what I wanted to share with you is in these, I'm going to do this rapid fire. In fact, I'm going to encourage you, if you have your folder, if you have it, Hold it open, because I'm going to do this quick. Yeah, you're rolling your eyes, I know. But I'm going to do this quick, because here's the deal. Who we are depends entirely on who he is, because Peter is renamed, not Simon, Petros. He is named Petros because, and his rockness comes from the great rock, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, the foundation of our faith, the immovable Do you get where I'm going? Peter knows this. You think Peter doesn't know this? He's the one who got renamed. He's the one who knows what Jesus called him. And so he says, if I'm a rock, it's only because he's the rock. 
So anyway, here it is. Here's how Peter starts. So the first thing is this. Jesus is the Son of God. This is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Boom. And here's the promise for you. And you are children of God. You are my Son, whom you love. With you I am well pleased. That's who you are because of who Jesus is. Secondly, Jesus is the Messiah. And you also are chosen by God. That's what Messiah means. Chosen one. Chosen one. Think about this. Jesus, um, what do you, you know, Jesus is casting out demons, and the demons know who he is. Here's what I quoted. What do you want with us? From chapter 1, verse 24. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One. Now, let me, let me tell you, holy is, we think holy means perfect. And Jesus was, of course, sinless. But that's not what holy means. Holy means set apart, chosen, anointed. That's what that means, set apart, chosen. Jesus was chosen, so are you. Because Jesus was chosen, we too are chosen. Third, Jesus is the baptized. Isn't that, we've talked about this many times. Jesus walks into the water. He didn't need it. I need it. I am longing to be claimed by God. I am longing to have my sins washed away. I am longing for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Longing for that. And so my reminder of my baptism every time it happens is a renewal of those promises of God. Jesus is the baptized. And because Jesus walks into the water, he walks in the water for sinners. As Paul says, he who knew no sin became sin that we might know the righteousness of God. So Jesus is the baptized, and you also have been claimed by him. I love this. As kids come up for communion, I will make the sign of the cross, and I will say, in your baptism, God put his name on you, and you have been claimed as a child of God. Fourth thing, and then Jesus is in the desert, 40 days, being tempted, right? Mark doesn't give us a lot of elaboration. Luke and Matthew give us more He's taken up to a high hill. And he's shown the kingdoms of the world, turned these stones into bread. We get that. With Peter, all we get is he was, in the de- he was in the desert and he overcame it. The devil did not defeat him. He overcame it and began to preach the good news. Number four, Jesus is the overcomer and his victory is your victory. This is who you are. If all this sounds like is a really good high school cheer or a really complicated high school cheer. Um, This is what I mean it to be. This is who Jesus is, and therefore that is who we are. Fifth, immediately, remember when he heals all these people? He heals a paralyzed man, he heals a leper, heals Peter's mother-in-law. Peter witnesses all these things, and Jesus comes up to the leper, and the leper says, Jesus, if you're willing, you could heal me. And Jesus says, I am willing, man. I am willing. And he touches him. Remember, we talked about that? And he touches him. What an act of inclusion and healing and hope. While everyone sits around horrified, Jesus knows that he is more powerful than the disease which is afflicting all of us. And the leper in particular. Jesus is the healer. And you, healed ones... Share healing words. It was interesting. In our meeting in between, uh, Zach Warren came down, the owner of Pearl Health. And he's a member of St. John's Lutheran. I'm just really delighted about how providential all this is. It's not a coincidence that these things have come together in this way. I believe God is driving all of this. And he is at a sister congregation. He knows our language, 
understands what we're talking about, and longs to help bring healing words to people. And he said this was what hit him from the sermon at the 830 service. We who have been healed share healing words with others. Jesus is the healer, and therefore we too, having been healed, share healing words. And then, of course, when the paralyzed man is let down, instead of Jesus going to fix his legs first, he says to him, Son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus is the forgiver. And it caused a huge stir. How can he possibly forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. And then Jesus, of course, proves his divinity by saying, Hey, you think I can't do this thing? Which is easier, right? Forgive sins or tell the man to get up and go home. And he says, To prove to you, that the Son of Man has authority even to forgive sins. Take your mat, rise, and go home. And he does. Jesus is the forgiver, and you, me, we, forgiven ones, aren't we? Forgiven ones show grace. I always know this. If there's a little bit of law in this sermon, I didn't want to put much in it, but I know this is the hard thing. I know that when we struggle to show forgiveness and grace, it's because we think that we didn't need it very much. I'm just going to tell you that. When we struggle to show forgiveness, it's probably because in the back of our mind we think, eh, I probably didn't need much grace. Because if we think we need a lot of grace, you show a lot of grace. And I'm telling you, folks, we all need a lot of grace. Jesus is the forgiver, and we who are forgiven show grace. And then finally, I love this too, throughout the whole first couple, and this is all just in the first couple chapters of Mark. You think Peter isn't making a statement? Peter's saying, this is who Jesus is, and therefore that's who I am. And this is how we act. Jesus speaks with authority. To know that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, take up your mat and go home. Jesus speaks with authority, and I want him to speak with authority to you now. You are these things. You can be certain. You can be sure. There is no question because the Lord of glory, the King of kings, our Savior, has spoken these words to you. Not me. He has spoken these words. Children of God, claimed and chosen by God. Your victory is his, his victory is yours. Healed by his hand, we heal. Forgiven by his hand, we show grace. And he speaks with authority that you may be certain and sure that this is the truth. To God be the glory. Amen. If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org. And make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.